So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you so much for this evening. Thank you for the great service today, God. Thank you for those uh, 10 people, Lord, who followed you in believers' baptism today. God, what a blessing it was. And I just thank, thank you, Lord, for being in our presence. I ask you to help us, God, because, Lord, we need fresh manna every day. And God, we are dependent upon Thee. And I pray tonight, help me to feed the flock and rightly divide the word of truth. Help us to know the truth. And uh, Lord, apply it to our lives in these days that we live. God, keep us from the deception of Satan in this world. And Lord, I pray for Israel tonight that you would, uh, Lord, just give the peace of Jerusalem. And we pray, Lord, that thy kingdom would come and that thy will would be done upon earth as it is in heaven. And God, help us to stand in these evil days and having done all stand. God, help us for your glory's sake in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, uh, we took off there and just to give you some scriptures there, Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 and 3. And this is where God says, unto a land that I will show thee. And he made this covenant with him. And then we looked at Genesis 12, 7, that, verse number 7 real quick. And uh, he said, the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, unto thy seed will I give this land. And then we go to Genesis 13, verse number 5. Genesis 13, verse number 5, and Lot also said, yeah, that's not the right one. 15, I'm sorry. Genesis 15, 13, 15. Sorry, guys. Genesis 13, 15. For all the land which thou seest, he's talking to Abraham here, to thee will I give it to thy seed forever. Then we go to Genesis chapter 15 and verse number 18. And we said the reason that we're looking at all this is because the world seemed to be confused about who the land belongs over there. And there's a continual uh, strife and wars and fighting and argument over it. And the whole world is lining up, seems like, on one side or the other. And that same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, Unto thy seed have I given this land from the river of Egypt unto the great river, the river Euphrates. And he also lists the nations that were there at that time that he would be displacing with them. Genesis 17 and verse number eight, and just a way of review here, I will give unto thee and to thy seed after thee the land wherein thou art a stranger, all the land of Canaan, for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. Chapter 17 and verse 15. Chapter 17 and verse 15, God said unto Abraham, and he, this is where he give, tells them about the seed, is which one's the seed, and that's going to be Isaac. Uh, let's drop on down to Genesis 17, verse number 19, and we're going to see the seed is going to be identified. And God said unto Sarah, bear a son, and to thee thou shalt call him Isaac, I will stay with my covenant with him and his seed, with his seed forever. That's why when you get to the New Testament, it's not seeds, it's seed. And it was in Isaac and not in Ishmael or the other children of him. Uh, Genesis 21, verse number 12. 21, 12. God said unto Abraham, let it not be grievous thy side, let it be called this bondwoman. I said unto her, for in Isaac shall thy seed be called. So again, he talks about the seed and the specifically, re repeatedly identifies it. We said this morning that in Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 18, that God again reaffirms there that in Isaac shall thy seed be called. In Genesis chapter 25, he gave Isaac all that he had. And then we saw this morning that uh, uh, he gave his other children the east land. So that takes us up to where we're at this morning. And we're going to pick up here now. Here's, let's get a little bit of history on Israel now. Israel came into the land. Let's, before I race this, I want to emphasize this to you because uh, they talk, you know, they want to make you, they, they're depending on people to be ignorant. Yeah. You know, you can fool people that don't know any different. Right. God gave this promise to Abraham to the seed Isaac 
2000, approximately 2000 BC, yep. 2000 years before Christ. Islam was not started by Muhammad until 610 AD. That makes it 2,600 years later they pop up and, and start making this claim that they own the land. And it's false. And so you need to know this. So we're going to look at the historical timeline of what happened in this thing. And when you're looking at this thing about Hamas and Gaza and all that kind of stuff, there's a big issue. Somebody uh, talked to me, well, the land's not the issue. Yes, sir, it is the issue. Yeah, yep. It, God, God doesn't make promises like this. God doesn't make statements like that repeatedly and repeatedly and repeatedly without it being an important issue. In fact, if it is, the Lord Jesus Christ is going to reign in that land yeah. on the throne of David, his father. And so it is an important issue. Now we went to Genesis 26 and we, we saw where God reaffirmed the land covenant with Isaac. In Genesis 28, we see he confirmed it with Isaac and Je uh, 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 Jacob there. From Isaac to Jacob, Genesis chapter 28, the covenant land was confirmed to Jacob by the Lord again. And then we said Deuteronomy chapter 30, God does, says something. And here's what I want to get to. Because this is where people get messed up with. When God brought Israel out of the land of Canaan, or out of the land of Egypt, all right, and they wandered 40 years in the wilderness, and then they came into the land. As God gave them Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, and made these promises and these covenants to them, which part of it was the land, and there's other covenants. When He gave them that covenant, He told them something. And I want you to take this relationship to your covenant relationship with your Heavenly Father. He said, you're going to get into that land and you're going to turn against me. And you're going to do things that's against my word. And I'm going to chastise you. I'm going to disperse you. But he said, I'll never break my covenant with you. Amen. Tonight, if God was to break your covenant based upon your performance, you would not be saved. That's, right. that's why this is important. Because God's given us a, and this is where I ended up this morning, was that if God breaks His covenant with Israel, what's to keep Him from breaking His covenant with you and I? Right. And God told them, and we'll read this pretty soon, He said, I'm going to ch I will chastise you. What's your Bible tell you about a saved man? We'll be chastised. He said, to be without chastisement, you're not His. And so you see the parallel between how God deals in a covenant relationship with Israel, and it's a pre-shadow of how He's going to deal in covenant relationship with His church. And he's not going to break his covenant with you. Let me throw this at you. Marriage, they were mocking the new speaker of the house, Johnson, today, or th this week, because he has uh, taught in some of his uh, radio work and broadcast work, and his wife also, they had ministry, and he had seminars or church services, whatever you call it, a teaching on covenant relationships and marriage. Where did he get that at? He got it out of the Bible. That's why, that's why the Bible says, until death do you part. <clears throat> Think about this. You enter a covenant relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, I'll give you eternal life. We know one thing. He's not going to die. That's right. now, <laughs> just throw this in the hat and think about it a little bit. If you was to die, he said, until death do us part. Watch this. Is Christ eternal? Yes. Is the believer eternal? Yes. No parting. No party. It's also why God wants marriages to be permanent. They're a picture of Christ and the church. There's all kinds of stuff woven into this, doctrinally speaking, 
that needs to be perk up our ears and think about and apply it to our lives. So we're going to start off tonight with Deuteronomy chapter 30. So if we'll put Deuteronomy chapter 30 and um, we'll take off from here. And what's going to happen is now after Deuteronomy 30, we looked at Psalms 89 and then I have one more after that. But Deuteronomy chapter 30 verses 1 through 10. And it's going to pass. <clears throat> now he has just, he's given the, well, let's go to chapter 29, chapter 29. These are the words of the covenant which the Lord commanded Moses to make with the children of Israel in the land of Moab, beside the covenant which he made with them in Horeb. And Moses called unto all Israel and said unto them, Ye have seen all that the Lord did before your eyes in the land of Egypt unto Pharaoh and unto all his servants and all unto all his, his land. And he goes through and, and rehearses all that. And I guess to verse number 14, Neither with you do I, only do I make this covenant and this oath. But with him that standeth here with us this day before the Lord our God, and also with him that is not here with us this day. What was he saying? <clears throat> I'm not just making this covenant with you. I'm making it with your descendants. Amen. I'm making this covenant with your descendants. The people that are going to be alive. The fact of it was that the only two people <laughs> that made it into Canaan land <laughs> were Joshua and Caleb that, had, were, that started out. The rest of them died in the wilderness. God's saying, I'm going to keep my covenant even with the people in this land covenant with the people that come after you. Now, let's go down to chapter 30. And it shall come to pass when all these things come upon thee, the blessing and the curse which I set before thee, thou shalt call them to mind. That's a good thing to underline. You need, we need to call certain things to mind. Amen. Among all the nations where the Lord thy God hath driven thee. Hmm. When you come down through there earlier, and I don't want to take time to read all this, but God's warning them about their rejecting and turning away from Him. And He says, Come to mind among all the nations where the Lord thy God hath driven thee, that thou shalt return unto the Lord thy God, and shalt obey His voice according to all thy command thee this day, and thou and thy children with all thy heart, with all thy soul. That then, now remember this is beforehand, that then thy God will turn thy captivity and have compassion upon thee, and will return and gather thee from all the nations where the Lord thy God has scattered thee. What God is telling them, they came to the land, He said, you're going to rebel, you're going to disobey me, and you're going to get away from me, you're going to turn to their gods. Yeah. I'm going to chastise you, and that chastisement is going to be this. I'm going to drive you into the heathen lands of this nation, scatter you to the winds. You're going to lose the land, yeah. possession of it. Okay? He prophesied that. <clears throat> This dispersion of the Jews has been almost like threefold. You have the dispersion of northern ten tribes, the dispersion later on of Judah, and then you have the dispersion after AD 70 after Jesus prophesied the destruction of the temple and that and so forth. And so there's, the dispersion is not just a one-time thing. But anybody that knows history knows that the Jewish people have been scattered into every nation around the world. There's not a nation you can go to what there's not Japan, China, everywhere. <clears throat> when you get to, let's continue reading here in verse number five. And the Lord thy God will bring thee into what? The land. Which thou, I mean, here's what I'm saying. If this is not important, then our salvation covenant is not important. Right, right. God is just literally showing us, I will always do what I say I will do. And it doesn't matter how, how it looks, how impossible it looks to people. Did you know that in the early 1900s, you can read these messages. Some of the greatest named preachers in America believed that God was done with the Jewish people 
and that the church had taken over all their promises. Those guys, you know what their problem was? They didn't believe the Bible. Amen. Number two, they didn't think it was important Amen. for God to keep his word. And he's always trying to give God an out. Because the Jews had been scattered for 2,000 years and Mark Twain in 1880 come back from taking a trip over there and said you couldn't grow a grasshopper on that place. Yeah. It's about the truth. Yeah. And everybody just said, well, what the Bible said will never happen and God must have kind of spiritualized that to the church. That's not true. Yeah. God meant what he said and said what he meant about those people and that land. <clears throat> in the land which thy fathers possess, and thou shalt possess it, and he will do to thee good, and multiply thee above the fathers, thy fathers. And the Lord thy God will circumcise thine heart, and the heart of thy seed, to love the Lord thy Lord that loved God. And this is what gets me. You'll hear guys talk about <clears throat> dispensation of the law. And they'll talk about dispensation of grace. I don't believe in the dispensation of grace. I don't believe in the dispensation of the church. Grace is not something that just happened from Christ to now. Amen. Grace goes back to the Garden of Eden. Amen. God gave Adam and Eve grace. They didn't save themselves. He saved them by his grace. Everybody God's ever saved, he saved by their grace. At, when he taught Abraham the sacrifices, sacrifice and substitute is grace. Amen. You didn't deserve it. God gave it to you. Amen. So the age of grace is from, from the beginning to the end. Everybody that ever was saved never will be saved is saved by grace. Don't let anybody tell you they were saved by the law back there. They never, that law wasn't even given to them to be saved. Amen. It was given to them to show them they couldn't be good enough. It was given to show them the holiness of God and the sinfulness of man and the hopelessness of self-righteousness. It was given them to show that a substitute had to die for them. These things are important. They're the basis of our entire faith. Why we say we came here tonight. It, it, it's just critical stuff. I mean, if this is not right and it's not important, we're gathered on false pretenses. And so he comes down through there. And, uh, but, but here's what I want to get to. Notice that phrase. It's two different things. Circumcise thine heart. God gave them an outward circumcision to the Jewish people. But that was, to, that was to represent the circumcision of the heart. Amen. What is circumcision? It is taking away a flesh. Okay? And what God wants you and I to have is a circumcised heart. Taking the flesh, fleshliness away. Amen. You know, that, that, and again, in the New Testament, Paul teaches this over and over again. <clears throat> then he, when he says that, look at, and the heart of thy seed. Yeah. And to do what? To keep the laws? What's it say? To love, the Lord thy God, to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might live. God taught in the Old Testament to love the Lord. That was, that was, that was faith. That was, that was Christianity. That was the faith of Abraham was to love God. It wasn't about keeping a bunch of laws to save yourself or to prove yourself as a good person. And I just think this is important while we're here talking about this thing that, because I just really get a little tired of these preachers talking like, well, the Old Testament, that was all law. They were under law. No, the, yeah, yeah, they were under law as a system of government, a system of life. And by the way, it was a good system and still is. But that's not how they were saved. Amen. Don't let anybody tell you they were saved by the keeping of the law in the Old Testament. Amen. It didn't happen. Right. Don't let anybody tell you they'll be saved by the law in the, in the millennial reign. Not going to happen. Amen. There's going to be a reinstitution of those sacrifices, yes, but that does not, Jesus' blood is the only thing that ever saved anybody from Adam to the last man to ever live. Anyway. <laughs> so now, we looked at Psalms 89. So now here's what the deal is. They did exactly what God said. They rebelled. <clears throat> ten, ten tribes taken out, two tribes taken Babylon, 
and they go into captivity. There's Jews that come back, of course, Nehemiah and, and Ezra. And then Christ comes and they reject him and they are scattered to the world and were <clears throat> for 2,000 years. So you're a Jew and you're in Russia. And there is not even a land for you to go back to. There's not a flag. There's not a system of government. That's why they call them the wandering Jew. And in 1880, a guy named Heim Wiseman, no, Theodore Herzl, I'm sorry, Theodore Herzl, had a burden. He was an atheist, atheistic Jew. Yes. Didn't you believe in God? Correct. But something moved him, now watch this, to believe that there needed to be a homeland for the Jewish people. Let me just tell you what God does. God moves in atheist hearts. With, atheists are not, not free from the sovereign power of Almighty God. Nobody is. This is, what, this is what blesses me about this book. It just shows me that God is sovereign over all. He, he is not missing a trick. I mean, we know ain't nobody fooling. No, nobody got out of hand. Nobody, no, nothing. So God makes this prophecy back here during the prophets right before they were dispersed. And this is what we're getting ready to look at. This is what the Jewish people have hung on to for 2,000 years that are Bible-believing, quote, Old Testament-believing, Orthodox-type Jews. For 2,000 years, the verses you're getting ready to look at, they read in their homes yep. and said this statement, next year in Jerusalem. Amen. Yep. And why did they do that? Because you know what they said? God made promises to us and he don't lie. Amen. And it may look like we're never going back, but we're going back. Amen. You've lived in the generation when they went back Amen. and are still coming back and they will still be coming back. So let's take off tonight. All right. Jeremiah 31, verse 35. Jeremiah chapter 31. And we're just going to walk through uh, these prophets that God gave them. <clears throat> Jeremiah chapter 31 and verse number 35. And uh, thus saith the Lord, which giveth the sun for a light by day, and the ordinances of the moon and the stars for a light by night, which divideth the sea... When the waves thereof roar, the Lord of hosts is his name. Now that's an important statement to them, Lord of hosts. That means his armies. That means his power. That means his glory and his dominance and his kingship. If those ordinances, what ordinances? That the sun, the moon, the stars depart from before me, saith the Lord. How many would think that'd be a big event? Yeah. If you got up tomorrow and the sun, sun was gone, the moon was gone, the stars were gone. God said, if that happens, then the seed of Israel shall also shall cease from being a nation before me forever. What's he telling them? It ain't going to happen. There'll never be a time when you're not a nation before my eyes, even though you're scattered into every nation around the world. Okay. You're looking at the power of Almighty God. You're looking at the wisdom and the power and the glory of Almighty God. And then verse, he said in verse 37, For thus saith the Lord, if heaven above can be measured, did you know they're still finding galaxies? <laughs> they're still finding galaxies. They make a bigger telescope and the, oh, it's bigger than that. It's, get, it's bigger than that. Yep. And now we've got whole worlds we never even knew were out there. 
God said, if the heavens can be measured and the foundations of the earth searched out beneath, and ain't nobody ever done that yet. By the way, there's pillars in the earth. How many know that? There's pillars in the earth. I will also cast off all the seed of Israel for all that they have done, say the Lord. He said this, if the sun quits, blows away and the stars all blow away and, and, the, and it's all gone, then yeah, that, that Israel wouldn't be a nation. Yeah. But he said, as long as that's happening, they're going to be a nation Amen. and forever. So that was a promise that God gave the nation of Israel and they read this because here's what they were. You're a Jew. Think about this. Think how they think. You're a Jew. You got this Old Testament. You have the books of the law. And God started off in Genesis chapter 12 and goes clear through all that and gives you 15 or 20 definitive statements that he's got a covenant forever with the land of Israel to give you and your people. But you ain't got it. I'm going to tell you something you can get out of this tonight. Is when you think that God's left you when God ain't working and God ain't doing what you thought he would do. I'm going to tell you something. He's still there. And I'm going to tell you something tonight. We need to have the faith of those Jewish people who believe God in spite of it all. They were scattered in every nation of this world. They didn't have a nation, didn't have a language, didn't have any. By the way, did you know they didn't even have Hebrew? They had Yiddish. Yiddish. And they spoke the languages of the land they were in. Did you know the Hebrew language is just brought back into use in, in the early part of this past century? There's a man who literally, mood of God, didn't know why, but he wanted to start. So he started the whole Hebrew language again for those people. Because, see, they didn't have words for airplanes. It was an ancient language. They didn't have words for computers. And they built the Hebrew, they, they got the land, the flag, the constitution, their constitution, everything, their government, all of it. People said it can't happen. God made it happen and brought them back in the land. He did what he said he would do. You say, what are you talking about tonight? I'm going to tell you something. I believe it's going to get so rough before this, before the Lord comes, that you're going to have to have such faith in this book that you're going to have to say, I don't care what it looks like. And you may lose your wife and you may lose your children. You may lose everything you own, but I tell you, God's still God. And his word will still stand and he'll never lose a promise that God has made you. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'm telling you, he means it. Amen. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, Amen. thou art with me. Amen. I'm trying not to build us up in the faith by the example that God gave the children of Israel. We need to get a hold of this. You don't know what's going to hit you the next year. I've been hit with things the last few years I never dreamed I'd be hit with. Amen. And I tell you, if you're not careful, it'll shake you. Yeah. But I tell you, if you hang in this word and you believe the word of God and say, Lord, I'm, I shall not be moved. Amen. So anyway, here we go. Leviticus uh, chapter 26. Uh, I want to hit this just a little bit. Leviticus chapter 26. And uh, let's go to verse 33 just for time's sake. Pray for me. I get all wound up about this. And if, if I start preaching, you'd be here a while. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus 26. And uh, let's go to verse number. Now, here's what he's doing. All through this chapter, he is warning them about, uh, he says, I'll give you blessings. If, in verse number three, if you walk in my statutes and commandments and so forth, give you rain in due season. But he gets over there in verse 14, but says, but if you will not hearken to me and will not do these things and despise my statutes and abhor my judges and not do my commandments, and break, uh, that, but that you break my covenant, he said, I'll do this unto you. And he talks about terror and consumption, burning and consuming the eyes and sorrow of heart and so forth. And then he comes down into to verse, number, um, verse number 33, and he says, and I will scatter you. Verse 32 says, I'll bring the land into desolation. And that's exactly what happened in the land of Israel. 
In the 1800s, before the Jewish people started coming back, I mean, all you could see was goat trails. There was no grass, no nothing there, no, no trees, no nothing. How many knows the Jewish people moved back in there in the late 1800s and started planting eucalyptus trees to drain the swamps out and started going down and finding water. The, the ground was, was fertile, but it didn't have no water. Israel today has the greatest irrigation systems on the face of the earth. We buy their irrigation systems. Their irrigation systems do not waste water. Uh, you can believe this or not, those people are smart. The highest producing dairy herds in the world are in Israel. The best fruit you've ever ate is in Israel. Dean Martin, where are you at? Am I lying or dying? I mean, you ain't never said, I'm just telling you, everything they do seems like God just gives them wisdom about how to do it. And I don't care if it's raising donkeys. They'll raise the best donkeys in the world. <laughs> but anyway, he said in verse 32, and I will bring the land into desolation. Your enemies which dwell there and shall be astonished at it. And I, watch verse 33. And I will scatter you among the heathen and draw out the sword after you. And watch this, whose land? Just notice this. God says, when I chastise you, he never quit calling it their land. That's what I'm bringing this verse in. He said, it should be this. And whose cities? Your cities. Even though he's going to disperse them, he said, that's still your land. But because of your sin, because of your disobedience, I'm going to chastise you. The Bible said in Hebrews 12 about you and I that were chastised that were not, but not condemned with the world. We are God's children. Amen. We'll get chastised. If you can sin and get by with it, you're not saved. Amen. You can sin as a Christian and you don't get chastisement, you're not saved. Amen. For if you be without chastisement, you're not sons, but bastards. You know what that means? Everybody think you act like you're a child, but you're not. Amen. Like that or not, that's Bible. Amen. All right, now I want you to go verse 44 with me. I, I want to just get this, verse 44. Underline this. And yet for all that, what's all that? He's telling them what all he's going to chastise them, what's going to happen to them. And he said, yet for all that, when they be in the land of their enemies, I will not cast them away. Neither will I abhor them to destroy them utterly and to break my covenant with them for I am the Lord their God. Good land of living. God says, it doesn't matter what you've done, how horrible you got, how low down, sorry, worthless, wicked and rebellious and disobedient to my word. I'll never forget you. I'll never forget you. I'll whoop you, but I'll, you'll still be mine. Amen. I will not break my covenant. Amen. And I'll tell you something. You may not mean much to you. This means a lot to this old boy. Because even though I'm a preacher, I sin. Yeah. I tell you, there's days when if it wasn't, I mean, there's literally days in my life, man, when I look up, I say, God, if you don't keep me saved, I'm gone. Yeah. How can I be a Christian and think and live or thought, have thoughts like I have? I'll tell you, you can't tell me, God, I've broke the covenant. God's never broke his covenant. Amen. There's covenants in the Bible. They're called conditional and unconditional. The covenant of salvation is an unconditional covenant. It is not dependent upon your performance. Your performance don't keep you saved. If that ever hits your soul upside, the, I'll tell you what, you're liable to shout. You're liable to thank God, but you're going to have to get down the road of life, have to train wreck enough times and get deep enough in the ditch and do that which you never thought you'd do and find out that your righteousness is nothing but filthy rags and all of a sudden you're going to look up and you're going to say, God, if you don't keep me saved, I'll never be kept. Amen. I don't want you to do that, but you, you probably will. 
I can tell you right now, I has, today am saved because of a covenant keeping God who irregardless of my performance and irregardless of my faithfulness, he is faithful, not me. I'm not excusing sin. God help us. But I'll be honest with you, that fact sunk into the heart and spirit of a believer will cause you to love him more than you ever loved him before. And when you get to loving him, it's not about do this and don't do that anymore. It's about God, I want to serve you because you've loved me so much and kept me by your covenant power. Bless God Almighty. Let's be Pentecostal for a little bit. Amen. I tell you, we ought to praise him and thank him and give him glory for his covenant keeping power. I know some of you are a little scared of You just well get geared up because in heaven you're going to shout and praise God. You just well get geared up. We're not talking about some donkey off religious exercise here. We're talking about blessing God Almighty for saving us forever and for giving us eternal life. Amen. We're talking about the fact tonight that God even give this to me. God give this to me about Israel. As an example to show me his faithfulness, I happen to live in the generation that saw Israel come back into the land. I happen to live in the generation that saw a nation born in a day, just like the prophet said. May the 14th, 1948, a nation born in a day. I've seen God's promises come and pass literally in my lifetime. Some of you say, I didn't know he's that old. I was born 53. But I know history. I know what happened on May 14th, 1948. And Israel declared a nation in one day, just like your Bible said, nation born in a day. God brought them back. Well, we're going to do one more deal in Exodus chapter six. I want to show you what God did when he took them out of the land of Egypt. And then we're going to take off on these prophets. Good land of living. How does it get so late so fast? <laughs> Exodus chapter six, verse number two. God spake unto Moses and said unto him, I am, I am the Lord. Now when you got capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, that's talking about Jehovah God Almighty. That means God Almighty Jehovah, a sovereign God over everybody and everything, self-existent, doesn't need anybody else to exist, not depend on nobody for nothing. The, the, the eternal self-existing God. He doesn't exist depending on nothing or nobody. And when he says, I am the Lord, that's a big statement. Yeah. And I appeared unto Abraham. He said, hey, Moses, come over here. Yeah. I appeared unto Abraham. Yeah. Your great, 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 great granddaddy. Yeah. Unto Isaac and unto Jacob. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Jacob's name changed to Israel. Israel has 12 sons, 12 tribes of Israel. The nation Israel. By the name of God Almighty. Used to in America when I was a boy. You'd hear men speak about Almighty God. They'd, tell, they'd say, well, the Almighty this and the Almighty that. And you don't hear nothing about that anymore. That's when America was strong. America was good. You didn't have to lock your doors. There wasn't a bunch of queers running around. Wasn't a bunch of slop all over the country. Kids were safe. You could go down the road and run all over the country and not worry about some pervert trying to kidnap them. Because men recognized the Almighty. I don't know. I wasn't planning on doing this night, but I somehow know something got me fired up. Amen. Amen. He said, but by my name, Jehovah was not known to them. And I've also established my covenant with them. Well, what covenant is this? To give them the land of Canaan. Amen. 
Amen. Now he said, Moses, you fix to lead these Israelites, this sorry low down bunch that loves Egypt, wants their onions and if it was Irishmen, potatoes. He said, I'm giving you a land, the land of their pilgrims, where they're strangers. You go up there to verse number eight. And he said, and I will bring you. Woo! Woo! God didn't say, now Moses, I'm going to send you across the Red Sea and do your best. Do your best to get into Canaan land. What did he tell him? I, the Almighty God, am going to bring you in. Hey, can I tell you, Almighty God's going to bring you in. Amen. Can I tell you, not you're going to make it. Not because you're so hot rod holy, but because he's a covenant keeping God and he made a covenant with the blood of his son. A blood covenant with his son. And he said, I'm not depending. You know what I think he said? Reg Kelly could never make it. He's right. But he said, I'm going to bring him in. Look at verse number eight. I'll bring you into the land concerning the which I did swear to give to Abraham, to Isaac and to Jacob. But I will give it to you for an heritage. I am the Lord. How many times God has to tell us who the land belongs to? And I'll not be anything, any dispute, dispute about that. Well, I'm not going to hit these here. I want to take off about the prophets. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 11 now. Here it's going to take off. There's other scriptures. I ain't going to take the time tonight to hit them about. But I want to get into the prophetic part because these Jewish people, all they had was to hang on to the promises of God. Brother Jim preached the other night on standing on the promises. Did you know those Jewish people stood on these promises that I'm going to read to you here for 2,000 years? 2,000 years they stood on these promises. Next year in Jerusalem, next year in Jerusalem, next year in Jerusalem. And what you know what you and I will say? Might be today the Lord will come. Might be today the Lord will come. This may be, we wake up and I say, you know, this might be the day the Lord comes. Because he's a coming, amen? He's coming. And so anyway, here you go. Isaiah chapter 11. And we're going to go to verse number 11 and verse number 12. And he said there, and it shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall set his hand again the second time to recover the remnant of his people, which shall be left from Assyria and from Egypt and Pathros and Cush and Elam and Shinar and Hamath and from the islands of the sea. And he shall set up an ensign for the nations and shall assemble the outcast of Israel and gather together the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. Now, what's talking about here? God's telling them, made a covenant with you way back here. Covenant's not depending on you. When I say something, I mean it. My word, good. Y'all come up here. I put you in the land, gave it to you, covenant with you. You disobeyed me. I chastised you, sent you out. But he said, I'm going to tell you prophets something that they need to tell you. I'm going to bring you back one of these days. Can I tell you something tonight? You may be a prodigal son. But if you're God's child, he's going to bring you back. He's going to bring you back. He may have you by the ear when you come. <laughs> Amen. He may have you by the nose. Did you know he's talking about putting, he talks over about putting a hook in their nose and turning them around. I tell you, I don't want to have to come back to God with a hook in my nose. Amen. Well, anyway, let's go to, uh, we went to Isaiah, let's go to Isaiah 43. Now you write these scriptures down, mark them in your Bible, because these are the prophetic 
passage of scripture about God bringing the people back from being scattered all over the world back to himself. Isaiah chapter 43, verse number five and verse number six. Fear not for I am with thee. I will bring thy seed from the east and gather thee from the west. Now you know what that means right there? That means the Jewish people in America sometime in the future are going to go back to Israel. Amen. I never will forget when I was over in Israel one time, I was over there in one of them shops and they had some awful pretty jewelry there. I thought I'd buy Karen something until I seen the prices. I mean, she's only worth so much, you know what I mean? <laughs> no, the truth is, didn't I buy you? No, did I buy? You got it on. She's got it on there tonight. Boy, I was slicked out of that one, didn't I? There's a lady there and, she, and I asked her about the price of something was. And when she started talking, I said, you're from America. She said, yeah, I'm from New York. I said, you're Jewish, aren't you? She said, yeah. I said, what are you doing over here in Israel? The funniest thing I, I tell you, I like laughing. She said, I don't know. Something inside just said, go to Israel. <laughs> you know what that was? The spirit of God yeah. leading them back to Israel. And they said, uh, gather thee from the west and look at verse number six. And I will say to the north, that's Russia. Get you a map out and look at, look at Jerusalem and go straight north and you'll be in Moscow. Straight north. <laughs> he said, from the north. And does anybody know how many Jews have left Russia in the last 20, 30 years or 40 years for coming to America? Good, I mean, to Israel, good grief. Give up and to the south. Keep that, Ethiopia, they threw, they, they, I mean, this is happening while you live. Keep not back. Bring my sons from far and my daughters from the where? Ends of the earth. Oh, I tell you what, we got a God, ain't we? Amen. Well, let's go to Jeremiah chapter 16. Jeremiah chapter 16. I'll tell you what now, for no preacher like me, this is fun. Amen. Amen. It's fun. Jeremiah chapter 16, verse number 15. Now remember, they're going into captivity. They're going into captivity. I mean, it's dark and low as, as life could possibly be for these people right now. And God's going to give them promises to keep them right in the middle of it. Look at verse number 15. But the Lord that liveth, my land living. Amen. Ain't that good? That's shouting ground. The Lord that liveth, Amen. that brought up the children of Israel from the land of the north and from all the lands where he had driven them. Watch this. And I will bring them again to whose land? Amen. Their land. That I gave unto who? Their fathers. And you could go on around that. He talks on about that thing right there, but we're going to, uh, let's go on down to Jeremiah 23. Jeremiah 23. Now you say, Reggie, what you doing this for? I'm doing it to show you God keeps his word. Amen. All right, verse number three. And I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all what? Country. All countries. Whither I have driven them, that's in that chastisement, and will bring them again to their folds and they shall be fruitful and increase. And I will set up shepherds over them, which shall feed them, and they shall fear no more, and be not, uh, nor be dismayed, neither shall they be lacking, saith the Lord. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, I'll raise up David. Watch this. He, he, now he's reaching clear on into the millennial reign. I will raise up David, a righteous branch, and a king shall reign and prosper, and shall execute judgment and justice in the earth. He's predicting the millennial reign when Jesus reigns in Jerusalem on the throne of David right there. And in those days, Judah shall be saved. Uh-oh, What? They're going to be saved. They're going to look upon him whom they pierced. Yeah. And they're going to realize that Jesus was the Messiah. Amen. And Israel shall dwell how? Safely. And this is his name whereby he shall be called the Lord our righteousness. Oh, if you ever loved anything, that the Lord our righteousness. He's my righteousness. He's my righteousness. 
He imputed his righteousness to me when I believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, my land, I'm having a hard time not preaching. Ezekiel chapter 11. Go to Ezekiel chapter 11, verse number 17. Verse number 17. Therefore say, thus saith the Lord God, I will even gather you from the people and assemble you out of the countries where ye have been scattered, and I will give you what? Somebody tell me. Land of Israel. Amen. I'll tell you what, I don't, need to, I don't need MSNBC trying to tell me nothing about the situation. I know exactly who that land belongs to. Ezekiel chapter 34. Ezekiel chapter 34 and uh, verse number 11 through 16. Verse number 11 through 16. I'm telling you, if this stuff is not important, then nothing is important because Jesus is coming back there and he's going to reign from there. Amen. Verse number 11, for thus saith the Lord God, behold, I even I will both search my sheep. That's verse number 11, chapter 34 of, uh, of, of Ezekiel. As a shepherd seeketh out his flock in the day that he is among his sheep that are scattered, so will I seek out my sheep. I will deliver them out of all places where they've been scattered in the cloudy and dark day. And I'll bring them out from the people and gather them from the countries and bring them to their own land and feed them upon the mountains of Israel by the rivers and all the inhabitant places of the country. And I'll feed them in good pasture and upon the high mountains of Israel shall their fold be. And there they shall lie in good fold in the fat pasture so they feed upon the mountains of Israel. I will feed my flock and I will cause them to lie down, saith the Lord. Watch this, verse 16. I will seek that which was lost. Bring again that which was driven away. We'll bind up that which was broken will strengthen that which was sick. But I will destroy the fat and the strong. I will feed them with judgment. And I'll tell you, he's talking about the millennial reign there and the judgment of God in that. Go to Ezekiel chapter 36 now. Ezekiel chapter 36. And let's go to verse number eight. Chapter number 36 and verse number eight. But ye, O mountains of Israel, shall shoot forth your branches and yield your fruit to my people of Israel. For they are at hand to come. Now let me tell you when this started. If I had a timeline here, and we was about 1880, about 1880s when the Jewish people started returning back into Israel. There were, there were Jews there already, a remnant, small remnant that, that always was there. But people from the world started coming in in 1880. It ramped up toward the turn of the century and it kept ramping up. And when World War uh, uh, I happened, there began to be a real stirring and God was preparing everything. World War I, what, what happened? England defeated the Ottoman Turks who had been in control of that country for hundreds of years. When Eng England was the country where your King James Bible was, was, was translated and, and given. England was a little island off the coast of Europe but the sun never set on English soil. Some of the greatest missionaries you've ever heard tell of in your life came out of England during this time period. God said, I'm going to honor what they did. I'm going to entrust England with the land of Israel and I'm going to use them to be the ones. And so when Israel got that land, when, when England took possession of that land, <coughs> General uh, Allenby, they've got a bridge over the name, the Allenby Bridge that crosses Jordan is named after the general that led the troops in there and defeated the Ottoman Turk Muslim armies took over the land. He got off his white horse that he was riding and said, I will not ride my horse where my Savior carried his cross. Now what's that tell you about General Allenby? He is a saved, Bible-believing Christian man who, who knew the Bible. Then what happened was uh, Heim Wiseman, Jewish chemist in England. Now watch this. England in had gotten England threw the Catholic Church off, embraced Bible-believing Christians, 
Protestants in general, and Jewish people were once again welcomed into England. Yeah. In England, a man named Haim Wiseman, a chemist, developed artificial gunpowder. He was the reason that England was able to win the first war. They ran out of gunpowder. He developed artificial gunpowder. And that the country literally wanted to give him the highest honor they could give any man. They said, what can we do for you? Haim Wiseman said, give the Jewish people their homeland. You have possession of it. They issued what's called the Balfour Declaration, which says that the English government looks favorably upon the, upon the Jewish people receiving and procuring their homeland and the land of what's known as Palestine. The Arabs, the Arabs went bananas. But Jewish people started to come back in. World War II comes and Hitler has going to have the final solution. By the end of World War II, the Jewish people, a lot of Jewish people didn't want to go back. They were settled in their cities, rich, making money, doing well. That's where they were raised at for centuries. Didn't want to go back. But by the end of World War II, they were honking to get back. They were getting on ships before Hitler could get them. America, now you listen to me, England shut the door on them coming to, into Palestine because the Arabs said, we'll cut off your oil. And England caved. Now watch this. This is why you don't want to compromise truth. Yeah. England flipped on Israel right in the middle of this thing because the Arabs said, we'll rise up against you and we'll cut the oil off you and you won't be able to float your ships nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. And England flipped and did what's called the White Papers. And the White Papers is put a limit on Jewish immigration back into the land. When they did that, they made God mad. Yeah. And England was attacked by the Germans and would have been whipped if we hadn't come in and helped them. Yeah. Now you listen to me. Because America is at the stage where England was at the, at the end of World War II. And if we keep, and the reason I'm preaching this this morning and tonight, is because if we keep this nonsense up of letting these people get on TV and march and hate the Israel, hate Israel, hate Israel, hate the Jews, hate the Jews, I'll tell you, we're going to have God Almighty's wrath on our land. And I'll tell you, that's why it's important about who you vote for. Let me tell you how far the Democrat Party's gone. I'll tell you, I don't care. I'm going to let it rip. Amen. Harry Truman was a Democrat. FDR had shut the door on the Jewish people. Yeah, he, he was a Democrat. He shut the door and would not let Jews come into this country. Yeah, that's right. That's a fact. You study me out on this. That's a fact. Historical fact. Shut the door. There's a ship down here off of Cuba had, what was it, 11 or 100 and some Jewish people on it fleeing Hitler. He would not let that ship dock on American docks. They, they took those people back yeah. to Germany, to the gas chambers. But Harry Truman, after, after FDR died, became president. Harry Truman made the, was the very first president. I'll tell you how far things has gone. Harry Truman had a friend I've told you before by the name of Eddie Jacobson. He'd been in business with him. Eddie Jacobson came up here and wanted Harry Truman to recognize Israel when they declared statehood. America was the first nation in the world to recognize Israel as a, as a nation. Very first. Right. Right. I, you can watch the documentation. They've got it on TV, him saying this. Yeah. About how he was convinced to do it against all of his advisors. Yeah. I want to ask you something. When he did that, what happened to America? The greatest prosperity and peace you've ever known on the face of this earth. Why? Because our president, who was a Democrat, recognized 
Israel as a nation and a people and recognized the promises of God. Harry Truman was a Baptist. And he believed the promises of God about Israel returning to the land. Richard Nixon in the war of 1973 was raised a Quaker, but his mama taught him on her knee that Richard, if you ever get a chance to help the Jewish people, you help them. In 1973, Israel was being defeated by 300 million Muslim people. I mean, listen, they almost lost that war. Uh, Golda Meir called up and said, if you don't do something, we're, we're whipped. Kissinger, who is a Jew, and Jerry, you talking about stuff this morning, can't figure this out. Secretary of State. They all tried to talk Nixon out of helping him. And Nixon turned around and said, I'm tired of hearing this and that. I want every transport plane that we've got loaded with everything that we've got. And I want to take it straight to Israel now. And we turned the war around for Israel in 1973. There's never been a nation blessed upon the face of the earth like this nation has because we stood by Israel. It's exactly what Genesis chapter 12, 3 says. I will bless them that bless thee and curse them. You don't know of a nation in the world that's blessed like America. Why does everybody want to come here? Freedom and prosperity. And the blessing came because we stood by Israel. This is not a light thing. And this crowd that wants to just say Israel, they're they're just a bunch of Jews and all that stuff. You don't know your Bible or you've been lied to and believed a lie. And that's exactly what these kids in the street are doing. They believe the lie by their professors that Israel is occupiers. They're not occupiers. They're living in their land. And that land was promised them by God. And I'm telling you something, this has got to happen because God said it would happen before Christ. Christ comes back. If the coming of Jesus Christ means anything to you at all, this has to happen. And don't tell me it's not important. It's critical. Not just important, it's critical. Well, my, my, my. I get wound up and I forget where I'm headed. Chapter 36, yeah. 8 through 11 there. And uh, anyway, I, I want you to look at verse number 19. And I scattered them among the heathen. They were dispersed among the country according to their way and according to their doings. I judged them. But he just keeps saying, I'm going to bring it back. I'm going to bring it back. I'm going to bring it back. Look at verse 24. For I will take you from among the heathen, gather you out of all countries, and bring you into your own land. And I'll sprinkle you with clean water upon you. You shall be clean from all your filthiness and all your... Somebody says, Israel's a bunch of queers over there. Tel Aviv's one of the worst spots for queers in the world. You're exactly right. I'm going to tell you, it's coming a day when they're going to become converted to Jesus Christ, and he's going to cleanse them from their filthiness. God said it'd happen. Well, what happens is you get to chapter 37 now. All right. By the way, let me give you... I, I don't know where it's at right now. Did you know there's a prophecy that when they came back, they would come back to unwalled cities, a, a, a land with unwalled cities. Yeah. True. Did you know that that was inconceivable to them because all your cities put walls around it. Now Jerusalem has a rebuilt wall around it. <clears throat> what good would it do to build walls around cities nowadays? See, they did it, but God prophesied that. I, I don't right now, I can't take you to that, but there's a prophecy where they, they would come back to unwalled cities. Yeah. Did you know why, how, why Hamas was able to get into those villages? Because it's unwalled. Right. Yeah. Uh, let me give you another thing tonight about the Second Amendment. I'll just throw this in for free. <laughs> that these kibbutzes, these villages that these people lived in, had armory buildings and they had weapons. But you can't own them individually. Right. 
They're collectively owned basically by the government of Israel. They do not have a second amendment. No. When those Hamas yeah. terrorists came in, they couldn't get to the army fast enough. Sometimes they killed the person who had the key to the armory. Yeah. There were people in their houses who, who if they'd had guns could have mowed them guys down. Right. Yeah. Protected their children and their wives, but the guns were in the armory. If the, if the liberals had their way in this country, Norwood might be able to have an armory. That's where they're heading. The guns all, and you, you're not, see, they're going to get us to where we're not responsible enough to own firearms. Now Israel is reconsidering this law. In fact, they've already issued firearms to some people in areas of what they consider critical spots. They're going to say, well, we're going to let you guys have guns now. We're not going to lock them up in a building. Can I tell you something? A gun locked up in a building is stupid. That's right. You can't do nothing with it. You've you got to run half. Uh, you, if you had to run two blocks yeah. and they're on you and you're standing there, but the guy who's the big man in the, in the caboose, who's the big man in the village. He, did you know what down here at Mountain Grove, the, the mayor told me one time that if Barack Obama told him to hand in his assault weapon and, and his 200 rounds, that he would turn it in immediately. That's what the mayor of Mountain Grove back in that day, not the one now said, I heard him say it with my own ears at a table. And we're supposed to be conservative. That's why I get, that's why I preach on the second amendment. Second amendment is a God given biblical right because you live in a wicked world and God wants you to protect your wife and your children and your loved ones. That's why we pack in the church and say, in case some idiots listen to me preach tonight and you're dreaming about coming in here, you're going to look like a piece of Swiss cheese before you get anything happen to you. Now, I'm serious. A heart attack. Don't you try to pull nothing in here. We're armed. Yeah. We're going to see you before you get here. We're not endangering these people. I'm not going to sit up here. You say, well, you should just pray about and trust God. Yeah, I'll trust God and I'll have my arms. I'll do like they did in Nehemiah's day. I'll have a, 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 a trial in one hand and a, and a sword in the other. That's exactly right. I, I'm not heaven yet. This is Lululand. People being raped and robbed and thugged and stolen and beaten. All kinds of nonsense and kidnapped. I ain't putting up with it. Thank you, sister. That's right. Well, now we're going to do, th uh, uh, I can't believe this. Ezekiel 37. Let's go there. This is the vision of the dry bone of the valley. Dry bones in the valley. The hand of the Lord was upon me, Ezekiel said, and carried me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of a valley that's full of bones. Boy, I'd get the jitters right there, wouldn't you? And he caused me to pass by him round about. And I can just see old Ezekiel going. You talk about wild story. This is a wild story right here. And he caused me to pass by round about. And behold, there was very many in the open valley and lo, they were very dry. Now he's giving you a picture of Israel. Israel is dry spiritually. He said unto me, son of man, can these bones live? <laughs> what would you have said? No way. <laughs> look awful dry to me. And I answered, oh Lord God, thou knowest. <laughs> he said unto me, prophesy unto these bones. That's what I do every Sunday. <laughs> I'm just teasing you, amen. I've heard preachers say that. I've heard preachers say, Kelly, I feel like I'm prophesying to dead bones every Sunday morning. They won't run an amen. They sit there and look at their wristwatches. Breathe real deep. Go. 
<laughs> Again, he said to me, prophesy on these bones. Hey, preachers, if you want to get a practical application, I don't care if they amen or not, keep preaching. Amen. <laughs> and say to them, oh, you dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Can you imagine? Hey, you dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. That's faith. God said, do it. I'm going to do it. Amen. Can you imagine some reporter walk up there and say, I knew them preachers crazy. <laughs> them Bible-believing preachers, he's preaching to a bunch of dead bones. Look at it, this is nuts. <laughs> Verse number five, thus saith the Lord God unto these bones, behold, I will cause you breath to enter into you. What? And ye shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you and I'll bring up flesh upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and ye shall live. And you shall know that I'm the Lord. In verse number seven, old Ezekiel said, so I prophesied as I was commanded. And I prophesied and there was a noise. Amen. And behold, it's shaking. <laughs> Here's a knee, knee bone. Comes up to a thigh bone. And a toe bone joins up to an ankle bone. And they're rattling and shaking and the bones is coming together. How many would have been running by now? <laughs> I see old Ezekiel, he's a backing off. <laughs> am I preaching Bible or am I not preaching Bible? We got a God that can do it, amen. Hey, if he can break a dead man, hey, I'm talking about how many people in the world don't have a casket or a vault and we're not embalmed and they're in the dirt and God's gonna bring them up from the dead. This ain't nothing for God, at least there's bones to work with. <laughs> behold a shaking and the bones came together and bone of his bone and when I beheld lo the sinews and flesh came up upon them mercy and the skin covered him but there's no breath in him now let me just tell you something that's exactly where Israel's at today they're back in the land but there ain't no life in them, no spiritual life in them. That's where they're at. Verse number nine, then he said he to me, prophesy unto the wind. Prophesy, son of man, say to the wind, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds. Remember God said, I'm gonna bring you from all the nations of the world. The Holy Ghost, the wind's a picture of the Holy Ghost. Oh, breathe and breathe upon these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me and the breath came into them and they lived and stood up on their feet in an exceeding great army. Wait. Now watch, God's gonna, he don't ask Reg Kelly to interpret this. Yeah. Amen. Amen. He gonna interpret it himself. You know what that means? I ain't got a right to interpret. Amen. I don't like it when people say, well, my interpretation is, you ain't supposed to have no interpretation. You're supposed to rightly divide the word of truth, amen. amen. Well, verse number 11, then said he unto me, son of man, these bones, are the 10 lost tribes of Israel. <laughs> no, the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say our bones are dried, our hope is lost, we're cut off for our parts. Therefore prophesy and say, and then thus saith the Lord God, behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up out of your graves and bring you where? Into the land of Israel. Well, I tell you, if this ain't exciting, 
Mercy, this is, I'm telling you, this good stuff, amen. And you shall know that I am the Lord when I've opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up out of your graves and shall put my spirit in you and you shall live and I shall place you in where? Tell me where. To your own land. Oh, don't tell me God don't care about that land over there. Amen. Hey, that's why the devil all the time fighting him about it because he's trying to stop God's promises. And then shall you know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it. And by the way, just to go take you on down through there, he's going to bring it, he's going to take the, two, the sticks and they're going to be a picture of the 10 tribes and the two tribes coming back together into one stick. But I'm going to tell you a little something. God's going to give you a picture of the cross right here. You tell me what two sticks will make. Amen. Cross. By the way, they're one stick longer than the other. Yeah. Yeah. 10 tribes, yeah. two tribes. Yeah. You see, when that woman was, remember that woman that uh, Elijah, what is it, Elijah came and she said, all I got less two sticks and I'm going to make a fire and eat it. Yeah. You, know what, you know what the spiritual message that is? All of God's left is the cross. Yeah. <laughs> but it's going to be enough. Amen. Yeah. Two sticks. Oh, mercy sakes alive. We're having a good time tonight. Amen. Ain't nothing like this book. Anyway, he says there, he's going to join them together. That's why Paul said in Romans, they're going to be all the whole house of Israel. Verse number 21, and said unto them, thus saith the Lord God, behold, I will take the children of Israel from among the heathen, where they be gone and gather them on every side and bring them into where? Their own land. And I will make them what? One nation in the land upon the mountains of Israel. And one king shall be king. Look down verse 24. And David, my servant, shall be king over them. Whoa. How many knew that? That David resurrected is going to be king. He's going to be a vice regent, as it were, under Jesus Christ, king of kings and Lord of lords. David is going to rule again in Jerusalem. If you don't believe in the resurrection, how could that be? That's why Jesus said, what are you going to do with that scripture? He said, the Lord said unto my Lord, sit here at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. Oh, Jason, isn't this good stuff? And verse number 24, and David, my servant, shall be king over them. And it just goes on. Oh, my land, we've got to run. Ezekiel 20, 39. We'll get done here in a little while. And, and by the way, if you've got something going on, say, Reggie, I, I appreciate it, but I've got to go. Well, you, just, you ain't going to make me mad. I have no right for you sitting and listening to me preach. <laughs> chapter 25, chapter 39, verse 25. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, now will I bring again the captivity of Jacob and have mercy on the whole house of Israel. And we'll be jealous for my holy name. And after that, they have borne their shame and all their trespasses were by the trespasses given them when they dwelt safely in the land and none made them afraid. When I brought them again from the people and gathered them out of their enemies' lands and I'm sanctified in them in the sight of many nations, what then shall they know that I am the Lord their God, which caused them to be led into captivity among the heathen, but I have gathered them unto their own land and left none of them anymore there. Neither will I hide my face anymore from them, for I poured out my spirit upon the house of Israel, saith the Lord. And these are the promises of God. Let's do one more. Amos chapter 9. Flip over a few pages and go to Amos chapter 9, and then we'll close out tonight with these scriptures. Amos chapter 9, verses number 13, as he's closing out. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that the plowman shall overtake the reaper, and the treader of grapes him that sows seed, and the mountains shall drop sweet wine, and all the hills shall melt. And I will bring again the captivity of my people of Israel. They shall build the waste cities and inhabit them and shall plant vineyards and drink the wine thereof and shall make gardens and eat the fruit of them. Watch verse number 15. And I will plant them upon their land and they shall no more be pulled up out of their land which I've given them, saith the Lord thy God. Well, 
I would say to you tonight, if you want to do some reading in connection with this, read Romans chapter 9, chapter 10, and chapter 11, and it will help you have a New Testament uh, perspective of this whole thing. And so here's what I, I just, I just want you to know this, that God knows what's going on over in Israel. He's he going to write the last chapter. I don't care what happens. And, uh, but the exciting thing about all this is that we can see that we're nearing the coming of our Lord and the fulfillment of these prophecies is being fulfilled right in front of your very eyes. Jesus is coming again. I'm question, I want to ask you, are you ready for him to come? Are you ready? Are you saved? Born again, the spirit of God. Made a child of God by faith in him. I hope that you are. And if you aren't, you ought to get saved. What a wonderful time we had. It was a cold time, but a wonderful time this afternoon. Brother Jason, when are you heading out? Just this week. Okay. You're going to be here Wednesday or will it be after that? You're not sure. I'll probably be here Wednesday. You'll probably be here Wednesday? All right. Well, we're going to have prayer time with you before you leave, okay? Just want to have a time praying with you and your family before you leave. We're going to do that tonight. But if you're going to be Wednesday, we're going to wait till Wednesday night to do that, okay? Okay.